I might as well start with prayer. I know you prayed already, but would you just bow your heads and hearts with me just for a moment? Father, again, we can do nothing without you, without the Holy Spirit working through us. And Lord, today we give thanks for our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all that he has purchased for us. And Lord, for the advocate that he sent as a result, Lord, that he is here today to help us, Lord, to comfort us, encourage us, to build us up, not tear us down. I believe there are some listening today who are going through some tremendous difficulties. And Lord, just like the man I'm going to talk about, just like Peter, who I'm going to talk about today, Lord, they too find themselves in a place where they're just not sure what's coming next. And I pray that you would get a hold of their heart today, Lord, that you would minister to them, pour strength into their spirit man today, their spirit woman. Lord, guide us, uh, guide, guide our every step, but guide us into your truth, Lord. What do you want for us today? We pray that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, so again, this is week three of the call. I'll get my little stick going here. Thanks, John, for keeping up with me there. Uh, As I said a few weeks ago, the first step, of course, is that Jesus calls us to follow him. And hopefully all of you have already heeded that call. The second is that we have to do what the Master did. If you look through all of the Gospels, Jesus was showing us how to live our lives. It's, it's not difficult to know what God wants you to do. All you need to do is read your Bible. Read, read this amazing, awesome book. And I just read somebody called it God's Love Letter, and, and that's how I look at it too. They're letters from God to us to show us the way. This is the way, as the Mandalorian says, all right? Hopefully I don't get sued for saying that here. It's probably copyrighted. Anyway. (laughs) Now, I began this series a few weeks ago, or several weeks ago now, and when I started it, I actually said this. I, I said that the disciples all followed Jesus without turning back from him. And then I added, or did they? Or did they? I want to conclude this series today with the idea of how Jesus forgives us. You know, we all need forgiveness. We've all done stupid things, dumb things. We've we've hurt others. And I know I've just got a sprinkling of people here, but how many of you in this room, by a raised hand, have hurt others? How many have hurt others deeply? (laughs) That's two hands. John, you just did one. <laughs> no, he's, he's catching on there. You know, we're human, right? And we don't always intend to do it. I understand that. But sometimes we hurt others just by what we don't do. And I love Peter because he's so real and he's so raw. And he's so human. <laughs> and, and as we get into this story today, I just want you to kind of put yourself in his shoes. What would, ha- what would have happened had you been Peter? Now again, you got to realize that this man is the one that Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. This was God's solution to the sin problem. He was going to use the church to reach the world with the good news. And he was starting with Peter. And it just blows me away because Peter gets in trouble more than anybody else in the Bible. Well, maybe not than anybody else, but at least in the New Testament from how I understand the Scriptures to read. So here we are after Jesus died on the cross, after he was buried, and now he's resurrected from the dead. All right, He did what he said he was going to do, and now he starts to meet with his disciples. In fact, he's met with them several times as we uh, begin to get into the story. And if you want to turn there, you can turn to John 21. That's where I'm going to start today, verse 1. But I just wanted to say, in this story, what were the disciples doing when Jesus came looking for them? And, and you know my heart, you know me, 
if you've been around me at all, you know that I love to fish. And that's what these men were doing. They were fishing. So let's uh, go ahead and look at this. Verse 1 of chapter 21, book of John. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. How would you like to be known as two other disciples? <laughs> I guess they really didn't matter to the story too much. But I love this. Verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And what did they say? We'll come too. You are not a leader. Hear this. You are not a leader unless somebody's following you. You aren't. If, if you turn around, nobody's back there, and you're supposed to be a leader, by their fruit, you will know them. So Peter is obviously the gang leader here. And it says, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now this is deja vu, isn't it? If you remember, I started with this in Luke chapter 5. Very similar story. They're not sure if this is the same one or not. Because they allude to both as being similar. Commentators are divided as to why in this story, Peter and his friends would go fishing. And I'm going to share a little bit from the pillar commentary. They feel that the disciples... This was a form of apostasy. You know what that word means? They've turned their backs on their faith. Now, I don't really think that's what happened. Uh, but if you remember, and I want to go back and look at this, this passage, John 16, verse 32, Jesus predicted that this was going to happen. And he said, this, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Now this happened, didn't it? And Peter was one of them that really, really, really ditched on the Lord. You could say he abandoned his faith. When he was clearly asked by the servant girl, hey, weren't you one of those disciples? <laughs> no, I don't even know him. Me? No. Verse 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Now, you know what I love about Jesus? We go through stuff in our lives. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. We go through places where our faith fails. Anybody ever have that happen? Your faith fails. You, 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 feel, so, you feel like the scum of the earth because you let God down. Again. <laughs> Jesus is saying, look, I died for you. I knew you were going to do this. I knew Peter was going to do this. And all the other followers. Here's what he wants you to get. I have given you peace. I've given you peace. Don't worry about it. If it happens, it happens. Go on with your life. Pick yourself up and begin to serve me again. Don't give up the faith. Don't give up. I've told you all this so you may have peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There is no stronger statement in the Bible than that right there. We should fear nothing. One of the songs we sang, we should fear nothing because Jesus overcame the world. Which means if you're a follower of him, his, you can overcome the world as well. There will come a day when you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Just don't give up the faith. No matter what you're going through, my paraphrase on this is, 
I know what you men are all going to do, but I forgive you in advance. Be at peace when you go through the trials and sorrows, for I have overcome this world. Our confidence, yours and mine, comes from this very fact. Amen? One of the other things that they mentioned that could have happened here would be that the disciples just weren't thinking. (laughs) They were in a place where they just didn't know what to do next. So they did nothing. Aimless activity is another. However, Bruce, who's one of the commentator writers, he said this, he said, there is no evidence that Peter turned his back on the commission he had received in order to return to the fishing. So Peter didn't just go back to fishing because he didn't want to do what God asked him to do. In fact, and this is where I'm going with this, I believe that what they were doing was really just a natural thing. They were just trying to take advantage of their time. They had this time where they didn't know what to do. Jesus kind of went to the cross. Hello? He was was a man they followed. He was their leader up to this point. See, there's a shift here in leadership. It was Jesus, and now it's going to be Peter. Peter hadn't grabbed hold of this yet, though. (laughs) He's still kind of like, I don't know what to do. Not sure what, what to do next. So I think the best thing I can do is go get something to eat. <laughs> and listen, just because Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again doesn't mean men still aren't hungry. We have to eat. And that's what we find these men doing. Perhaps the best conclusion that you and I can come to with a story is that it's somewhere in the middle of the, all of this. Maybe, maybe there's a little piece of each one that was taking place. But as Carson suggests, and I love this, he says, they are coming to grips with the resurrection, but they still have not learned the profound truth that apart from Christ, the disciples could do nothing. And that same statement is true for you and me today. Apart from Jesus Christ, you and I can do Nothing. Nothing of importance, that is. And we have to get that. Now, we're going to move on with this story, and I'll share some other things as we do, but I just want you to understand, Peter is is in a very vulnerable place right here. Jesus is trying to transfer the leadership to him, but he's not having it yet. He's got fishermen following him, Got that part down. (laughs) He is a leader, just not in the right direction yet, okay? Verse 4. I love this part. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No. No, they replied. Now, as you can tell, it was most likely very early in the morning because they couldn't see him. All right? And, and when, he, when he said this, fellows, have you caught any fish? Friends, have you caught any fish? It was in the negative. He knew. He's God. He knew they hadn't caught any fish. Right? This didn't take him by surprise. So they hear this voice, and it hollers at him again. And, and he says this in verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. <laughs> So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now this would be like my son Cameron and I going fishing. This just happened recently. It's toward the end of the night. We couldn't see. And and even though, I'm going to show a picture here in a minute. Even though in the picture it looks like it was daylight, that's just because our cameras see better than we do. It was dark, and he was throwing up by the shore. and, and Dad! Throwing up by that lily pad. <laughs> what do you do? I'd been fishing all day with him. We hadn't caught one fish. We hadn't put a fish in the boat. Dad, throw What would you think? Oh, just be quiet. 
you don't know, but I listened to him anyway because I, I wanted to catch a fish. So I did. And I caught a four-pound, four-ounce bass. He said six, but whatever. Right in that spot where he told me to put my lure. You know, here's the thing. When the Lord tells you to throw your net somewhere, throw it. There's going to be fish there. Now, it would have been really cool if he'd said, hey, throw your net out on the starboard side. It would have kind of shown that he knew what he was talking about. But again, I go back to he's God. He knows everything anyway. He didn't have to prove anything. So they threw their net out. And what's it say? They couldn't haul in the net because there's so many fish in it. How cool is that? What kind of God do we serve? Pastor Barr brought up a cup when she started today. She, she began with a little teeny cup. And then she got the monster cup out. You know, when God challenges you to do something, he intends it to be filled. Not just an itchy little bit, but full. Because that's the kind of God you and I serve. I hope you realize that. By the way, this is almost the exact same revelation, if you will, that we see back in Luke 5. Only in theirs, in uh, Luke 5, the boats almost sank. So I'm guessing there were a few more fish there. Jump into verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved. Who is that? We believe it's John. Now there's nothing specific identifying him as such here, but we believe it is John. And <laughs> he said to Peter, it's the Lord. Can I just say, duh. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, they already went through this. When he called them, the same God, the master said, throw your net out on the other side. They did, and their boats almost sank. He does it this time, and they're so full they can't haul it in. And it takes the apostle, the disciple that Jesus loved, to say, it's the Lord, for Peter to go, ding. Oh, I'm not saying Peter was stupid, because I don't believe he was. But I do think this didn't engage really quick. I'm just saying, all right? And I'll allude to this a little more here in just a minute. So here we are. It's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. <laughs> it says, for he had stripped for work. What? These are men of God out there fishing nooked. Well, at least he was. <laughs> he jumped into the water, and he headed to shore. Now, you have to understand, when you wear these tunics, if you try jumping in the water without doing something with them, guess what's going to happen? Your legs are going to get tied up quick, man. You're going to sink like a rock. So he, he tied it up. They bring them up here, and somehow they tie it around so that their legs are free like a frog, you know. And he, he swam quite a distance, as the next verse says, the length of a football field, all right? He was excited, and he wanted to get to shore to see Jesus. I love that part about him. Verse 8. The other stayed with the boat, pulled the loaded net to the shore. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. How cool is that? Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Wow. It's making me hungry thinking about it. And this isn't just any chef. Huh? This is the master chef, because he was master of everything. So he's a master chef. He's just plain the master, and he had cooked breakfast for these men. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. 
There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Here's what I want you to see here, and I missed this the first time. Do you realize, do I have that up? Yeah. Do you realize that just a few minutes ago, all the other men struggled with this net? And here we have Peter running out by himself and dragging all them fish into shore. What does that tell you? Peter was not some little dude. All right? He wasn't skinny like some of us. I'm not pointing at myself because, anyway. He was, he was beefy. And this makes sense. Most people that are they pick them up, they put them down. <laughs> Most people like that tend to have a little bit more confidence. Because if anybody bugs them, what are they going to do? Just stomp on them. Doesn't that make sense with Peter, that he would be one of these guys? Who's the guy that's always, well, Lord, if you, if you die, Lord, I'll, I'll never turn my back on you, Lord. Really? Doesn't that sound like somebody, though, that's kind of muscular? And I'm not saying he was ripped like our guys are today. He probably didn't take protein powder, but certainly ate a lot of protein because he ate fish, which are pure protein, pretty much. So get this picture in your head that this man just drug this net up to shore so that he could deliver them to Jesus. And then Jesus said, now come and have some breakfast. <laughs> None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Here's what I want you to get. Do you remember when I talked about Jesus washing their feet? That was before the resurrection. That was before the cross and the resurrection. And Jesus was trying to point out, look, what I'm doing for you here, now do for each other. Serve. Serve. Here he is. He's gone through the fight for heaven and hell and hell lost. He's got the keys to death and to Hades. And yet, what does he do? He serves his men again. What a, what a, what a revelation for us just to realize that Heavenly people serve. Would you say that with me? Heavenly people serve. Heaven-minded people serve. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, literally. Because you guys serve week after week after week. And ladies, guys, as men and women, gender, you got that. You guys in the back that come in here every week to make sure that the, the live stream audience can hear us. God bless you guys. And, and Phil, who's stuck in his little room, making sure that all of you in living, live stream land can hear and see. God bless him. Serves, serving, servants, people who caught it. And now Jesus is trying to get his men to see. I left you with this before the cross. I want you to see it one more time. Sir. Oops. Jesus served them. And you and I are tasked to serve. Verse 14. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, and this is where it gets interesting, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And let me just digress for a minute. Why did Jesus pick on Peter? 
Why do you think? Remember, this is the man that denied Jesus three times. In public, he said, I will never let you down, Lord. In earshot of all the other disciples, he said, I will never fail you, Lord. My paraphrase. And here, Jesus calls him out in public, and he says, do you love me? Most believe that what's intended here is, do you love me more than those men? Would that hurt if Jesus said that about you? Jack, do you really love me more than John? More than Pastor Barb? Would that hurt if Jesus asked you that question? Do you love me more than these? D.A. Carson suggests whatever potential there is for the future service of Peter... It depended on not only the forgiveness of Jesus, which I believe he already got, all right? He's already had that discussion, and the Lord's already forgiven him. But more importantly, it rests in his other men seeing he was reinstated as the leader. They had to see this because, listen, would you want to follow somebody that you knew had denied the Lord three times? Especially after he flamboyantly said, Not me, Lord. But before you cast any stones at Peter, how many times have you and I done the very same thing? How many times have we, Well, I'm all that for Jesus, only to let him down the very next minute by some stupid thing that we say or do or don't do when given the opportunity. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Now there's an interchange of words going on here, and and I want you to understand it even before I get to the next two. He interchanges between the word agape and phileo which some feel agape is a little stronger form of love than the phileo, but others disagree, and it's flipped around all all the time in the Bible. So nobody can really come to the argument that either one is showing more strength or more love, if you will, than the other, all right? So not only does that happen, but John, who's known to do this, he also interchanges between sheep and lambs, Right? And between feeding and caring, they're they're all the same thing, but he's just flip-flopping around a little bit. And what that says to me and to many is, it shouldn't matter. The most important thing that you and I get out of this is to recognize the repetition in what Jesus is doing with Peter. That's what's important here. Verse 16. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And Jesus replied, then take care of my sheep. So first he's to feed the lambs, now he's to take care of the sheep. And then a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt by Jesus' question the third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said it again, then feed my sheep. Wow. In Peter's final response to Jesus' question, certainly he was wounded to the heart. But honestly, there's no trace of self-righteousness here in Peter. And again, Carson said, he can only appeal to the fact that the Lord knows everything 
and therefore he knows Peter's heart. That's enough. That's enough. God knows your heart. And I want to say that I think what we try to do, we try to hide it from the Lord. Why? You can't hide your heart from God. He knows it. He knows everything. And I believe what he's, what he's looking for here with Peter is, look, stop pretending to be somebody you're not. I know who you really are. That's the person I called the Peter that's hiding inside of this. You picked him up, you put them down. This man who I've, I'm sensing, and, and this is a fairly new revelation for me, but I, I feel like he's resting in his own strength. And Jesus is trying to say to him, look, that's not going to work. I need you to rest in me. I need you to get your strength from me. I'm the one that overcame this world, not you. And you need to see that. Does this make sense? Is it resonating with anybody else besides me? Then Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. <laughs> Let's look at that real quick. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Hallelujah. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Do you know that when people give their lives for their faith, this just happened again on the 26th? In fact, in the country, the island chain where Scott and Ruth are, where we just sent that $1,200. A man went in with a machete and killed four Christians for their faith. They worked for the Salvation Army. They're on the island, and this man just couldn't, couldn't deal with it. So he went and killed them. They gave their lives for Jesus. Listen to me. When they did that, that brought glory to God. If we're called to do that someday, it will bring glory to God. We don't necessarily understand that, and, and I doubt that Peter went, whoo-hoo, when Jesus told him this. But it was truth, and that is how he died. Those final two words, Jesus said, follow me. So he gets through this whole litany of, do you love me? Then he tells him how he's going to die. And then he says, follow me. Follow me to death. You stood in front of all those men and you said, not you. Now I'm going to give you a chance to prove it. Follow me. The Lord wanted Peter, even though he'd blown it, to realize that call was still on his life. He still wanted him to lead the church. Why is that important? Because so many in the church, capital C, I believe are in that very same place where they've done some things that didn't bring honor to God, didn't glorify His name. And yet, Jesus is still saying to them, God still wants you. I still want you. Even though you may have blown it. 
Peter is our prime example of how we, sinful men and women, can often think more highly of ourselves. We can get over-exuberant about a challenge that's in front of us. And we could toot our own horns only to fail the Lord in the end. Or we can get tangled up in judgment calls. And I've seen this more lately in the church than I've seen in years. Calling out brothers and sisters because of their political views. When what we should do, ladies and gentlemen, followers of Christ, identify your own sins. And when it comes to judging others, keep your mouths shut. Good advice. We claim that we love the Lord and that we're here to serve Him. <laughs> Yet whenever someone comes to us and says, hey, can you help me with this? Our immediate reply is, nope, too busy. Nope, can't do that. Nope, got to pray about it. Really? You know, when you say that, unless you've got something going that, that's kingdom-minded, that's going to be amazing, just help the people. In the name of Jesus, serve. Serve people. Serve the kingdom of God. Why would you need to pray about it? Especially if those people asking you to help are trying to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. Why would you say no? Perfect opportunity to, to be a blessing and to be blessed. Learn to serve like Jesus served. You know, most of us want to be served. But you know, that's not a kingdom promise, right? That's not a kingdom principle. We want to be served when Jesus said, those who want to be the greatest must become the least. And learn to serve others. And I think I've hammered this point in this, this series that I've called The Call. But I just want you to get it. that Look at time is running out. The hourglass of heaven, the, the sand is falling quickly. And it's coming to a, a point where God's going to say, okay, it's time. Go get my church. And what that's going to mean is for all those folks who denied Christ, for all those folks who, who never got an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, they're going to be left there in their sins. Sure, we'll be in heaven. Hallelujah! But they're going to hell. That should mean something to us if we are true believers of Jesus Christ. Jesus restored Peter after Peter had blown it. And I believe there are many that are listening today that the Holy Spirit is saying, not unlike Peter, even though you've blown it, you are forgiven. Now follow me. Now follow me. And like Peter, the time is over for denial. The denying is done, all right? That's behind you. So get up and begin walking with your Lord and your Savior. Let Him in. Let Him strengthen you. Let Him guide you. Let Him show you what's next. It may not be what you saw for your life, but trust me, if you go where God's telling you to go, you will be Blessed beyond measure. Follow your heart. What's he telling you to do next? And I, I, I'm about to close. But I wanted to read this really quick from uh, Colossians 3, 23-25. And this is from the Living Bible. But Paul is talking to the church here, and he's actually talking to slaves 
And I've said this before, we're all slaves. We're either slaves to this world or we're slaves to Jesus. The difference is, and if you understand all about slavery, especially in the times of Jesus, the the slave owners took better care of their slaves than a lot of people who were citizens of Rome lived. They took very good care of their people. So we've got it in our minds that, that all slaves were mistreated, but that isn't true. And in this case, as a slave for Jesus, there's no better place to be. And this is what Paul said. I love this. He said, work hard and cheerfully at all you do, just as though you were working for the Lord and not merely for your master's. Remembering that it is the Lord Christ who is going to pay you, giving you your full portion of all he owns. He is the one you are really working for. You know, if we would get this idea in our hearts, church, how much stronger would we be and how much stronger would the church be, the kingdom of God? If everything we did, we did it, we worked hard at it as unto the Lord, Man, there'd be nothing that wouldn't be accomplished that needs to be accomplished today. Verse 25, if you don't, do your best for him. He will pay you in a way that you won't like. (laughs) For he has no special favorites who can get away with shirking. I like that word. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Don't be shirking. (laughs) You can look that up later. How are we doing? So I begin to close. How are we doing? Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? I believe the Holy Spirit is asking you, do you love me? Do you really love him? Not just giving lip service. Does your life show people that you love them? If you say yes, oh Lord, help us. Then prove it. (laughs) Jesus said, you will know my disciples by their fruit. Prove it. Live your life as though you love him, follow him with all that you have, all that you are, all that God's given you, follow him. For those of you who've been making excuses as to why you can't, stop it. Just stop it. And do what God has put in front of you to do. For some of you, You have been going around the mountain for 40 years. You've you've dug a rut that's 10 feet deep. You can't see over it because it's so deep. Because you won't listen. You keep going back to your excuses. And the Holy Spirit is saying, stop it! Follow me. Follow me. And I will lead you to the promised land. Ask the Lord, is what I'm about to do or what I'm doing, will that bring glory to his name? That's probably the the best litmus test you can use as to whether or not you're truly following him. And if you can't say it's bringing God glory, if you're on your third beer in the bar and you're starting to get loose-lipped, and that female next to you is beginning to look awful good even though you're married to another woman, then you know that you're not doing the right thing. You know that by your fruit, you are not following Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, Stop it! And follow me. Give your life in service to the King. I'm going to end with this From Romans 1, this is from the Passion Bible. 
And, and this is talking about our life being a sacrifice. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. <laughs> to be His sacred, living sacrifices. Can I get an amen? And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. When you follow the Lord, when you use that litmus test, is what I'm doing bringing glory to God? When you give Him your life and you get up in the morning and you say, God, help me today to live for you. That's the kind of man, that's the kind of woman that Jesus wants coming after Him. And it's not that hard to do. And when you do it, not only will you be blessed on this side of heaven, but a day will come when you will be richly rewarded and the Lord will tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we are... We are all broken people. If that were not true, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come in our stead. But we are so thankful that He did. And He showed us the way. He taught us how to love, how to forgive, how to bless others through acts of service, how to bless You, Lord, as we give our lives as a living sacrifice we worship you today with all that we have, all that we are, all that you've given us. And we pray today, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we pray that you would come soon. But we also ask, Lord, that that one who's not ready Give them opportunity. Use us, your church, Lord, to minister to them, to share the love of God with them so that they too can at least be introduced to the Master and be given a chance to say yes to the kingdom. Lord, I pray for those at home today. Maybe you're there and you'd say, hey, Pastor Norm, like Peter, I've blown it. If that's you, I just want you to know, and I believe this from my heart, as I put this message together, the Holy Spirit said this. He said, you're forgiven. Now what are you going to do with it? Come follow me. It's under the blood. If you've confessed your sins to Jesus, it's under the blood. Now what are you going to do with your life? Come follow me. Do what Jesus did. Come follow him. And if that's you today, I just I want to pray for everybody, but I just want to pray a special prayer for you today that the Lord would ignite something in you like he did with Peter. Visualize him saying to you, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? I said that wrong. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? and feed my sheep. That's what he said to them. He's saying that to you. He's saying it three times because you failed and you need to know that you can do this through Christ because he has overcome the world. And his last response to you is, follow me. Follow me. So if that's you, I want you to grab, grab a hold of this prayer right here. Father, I pray for those at home, even those that might be here, that would put themselves in the same place Peter was. They have failed you. And the condemnation from that, Lord, has leveled them. But today, it's a new day. I pray for victory for these men and women, Lord, boys and girls. I pray that you would deliver them from that condemnation 
And Lord, that they would rise up where they're at right now and just say, yes to Jesus, I will follow you. And if you mean business at home, say that right now. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. If you mean that here in this room, just say it out loud. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And then begin to do just that. I see a new age in this church. A time where no need is going to go unmet. Somebody has a need, it's going to be met just like that because our people love each other enough to take care of those needs. And now I'm asking you to go and live your life for the Lord as a living sacrifice. And by the way, I know next week is... Uh, we're in December, and we've got three weeks till Christmas, three Sundays before Christmas. And, and I've got uh, uh, the, the series that I'm leaning toward right now is one that I'm developing, but uh, it's going to be kind of like, you know, the, the three Christmas spirits, but I'm not going to be talking about spirits, but the past, the present, and the future. And we're going to look at that beginning next Sunday. So I hope you can join us. Again, thank you for being here today. And uh, let me just pray a blessing over each of you. Lord, we just ask you again to bless our households, Lord. Those who have been uh, diagnosed as having COVID, we pray for a deliverance, Lord, by the blood of the Lamb that they would be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for the rest of us that you would keep us from getting infected. Lord, we, we ask today that you would like the potter, use us as the clay, Lord. Form us and shape us and develop us into the men and women of God you want us to be and use us as tools to bring glory and praise and honor to your holy name. And as we do that, Lord, I pray rich blessings would be ours, our church here and at home. Multiply back to them their efforts 30, 60, and 100 times over. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thanks again for being here today. Hope to see you next week.